Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson. And today's episode is about production. So in the main triangle that we talk about of what it is that a law firm business must do, the first peak being the acquisition of new clients or acquiring new clients, the second is production, producing the results that you promised to those new clients. And of course, the third leg of the triangle is achieving the business and professional results for you, the owner. We focus a lot of energy as lawyers, um, and in this show actually as well, on acquiring new clients. But quite honestly, often the real challenge for a law firm is building a team to deliver on the promises that you made to those new clients. So the title of today's show is Coaching to Success. And we're really lucky to have Ben Murphy as our guest today. He's the Vice President of Sales at Titus Talent Strategies. But before we get started, it's time to do a little business ourselves. So I want to say thank you to the sponsors that make this show possible. Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7-365, just call 866-827-5568. Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help you grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com. Law Clerk, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. LawYaw provides end-to-end document automation for solo, small, and mid-sized practices. Save time and avoid mistakes with documents that you draft over and over again. Learn more at lawyaw.com, and that's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Coaching to Success. And I am pleased to introduce my guest, Ben Murphy. As I mentioned earlier, Ben is the Vice President of Sales at Titus Talent Strategies. And interesting to note for today's conversation, Ben is a sports enthusiast. He's an athlete and a former collegiate football coach. So he's been working in the recruiting field for more than 15 years, but he's known for using sport analogies to bring what he learned on the field to do, and, and developing young talent there to help educate business leaders on how to think strategically to better identify, attract, hire, engage, and retain top talent. I'm excited to have Ben on the show. He's a visionary. He's an innovator. Um, and he consults and leads training sessions uh, for recruiting and team development from Fortune 100 companies all the way down to smaller organizations like a lot of the law firms that are listening to the show today. So I'm excited to have him share some of what he probably charges a whole lot to train these Fortune 100 companies with you here on the show today and to let me ask him some questions about it. Um, at the end, of course, if you want more information from uh, Ben, um, I'll give you the way to do that. But so first of all, Ben, welcome to the show. Christopher, hey, great to be here. Looking forward to it. I am really, really excited to have you on. So, so just to get us started, you know, because my bio introduction, however you want to call it, they're always short and always somewhat inadequate. Talk to us a little bit about how you came to work in talent development. I mean, how does how do you go from football coach to working in talent development in industry? 
Yeah, it's a, it was a it was a unique journey for me. So right when I graduated college, I had a dream, a mission to be a collegiate football coach, a big passion for it. I had an opportunity that I was about to start that that fell apart. So at the last second, I had to get into the business world. And I spent a year and a half, almost two years initially in the recruiting industry. And then I had the opportunity to really, the door open where I could get into the coaching field, get into the sports field again, um, and took an opportunity with my alma mater, uh, which led to um, an opportunity to, to get out to South Dakota, coach division two college football. And then after that, brought me back to my alma mater to be the defensive coordinator and, oh. and help lead that organization. And so spent 10 years doing that. But like anything, there's seasons of life. And I love driving sports teams, love coaching players, love really building a cohesive unit. But I got a family and I got two little boys and I wanted to have some more opportunity and really got a random uh, referral about Titus from a former teammate of mine of how much he enjoyed working in the talent space and working for a culture like Titus. And um, prompted me to say, hey, you know what, maybe my next season of life, I can do the same types of things I'm doing, Yeah, but I'm going to do it in the business world instead of the exact sports world. And so uh, led me to Titus and it's been a, a great, you know, a little over seven year uh, journey applying what I learned from the sports space into the business world. Okay, cool. Well, that, that, is, that is quite a journey. One of the things that jumped out at me, I mean, your bio, I stole you, you from from what you sent me and from a couple other sources. But one of the things that jumped out at me from that was that like this identify, attract, hire, engage, and retain top talent. So that's like, first of all, it sounds a whole lot like marketing, right? Where you identify leads, attract them, you have a sales call with them, you hopefully get a sale and then you hope to keep them as clients. Sounds like the same sort of thing, but it also sounds like really soup to nuts for talent development. What, and what led me to believe, since we've only got a half hour format here, is where to ask you, where do you see small businesses struggling the most in that chain of events from identification to retention? Well, it kind of takes me to where my like big belief on this is mm -hmm. people are messy. <laughs> Hiring's messy. Coaching is messy you need to have a systematic way of aligning how, how, what you're hiring for, what you're assessing, and then carrying that over to your coaching and management principles and use the same concepts for both. And so what I see is most small businesses don't have a game plan around either. They don't really know how to assess people. They don't know really how to define performance in a coaching plan for people. And so they, they don't always hire, right? Because they don't have that laid out foundationally. And then they can struggle to carry people over to be successful in their business. It's a challenge. I mean, 56% of executives fail in 12 to 18 months of being hired because wow. there's not a proven process to manage them. So hold on. What, more than 50% of executives fail between 12 and 18 months? When there's not a proven process yeah. to manage them. And so most small businesses don't have the expertise on building that game plan. And so there's risk. If there's risk at the executive level, what's your risk at the mid-level and other levels within your business? Totally. And I mean, you know, with lawyers, law firms, small law firms in particular, one of the one of their key hires is lawyers who really are, you know, their executive level, the big part of their salaries um, and, and personnel costs go there. So is the failure, I mean, that's, I'm shocked at that number. 
is that failure to be, you know, half of the, to, 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 for half of them not to survive, is that in the attraction, the identification and attraction process? Or is that so in an engagement retention problem? Or is it both? It's both. I mean, okay. there's, you can, you can get off the track in any one of them. That's why there's a high likelihood of failure. But really slowing down as an organization and defining exactly what you need that person to accomplish for your business. And then what are the key things that we're going to look at in the interview process so we have a complete understanding of the whole person and their capabilities of executing those performance objectives. So you want to build the foundation for your interview and the foundation of what that role really looks like in your business, but now carry that exact thing over to the plan to manage them. Here's what needs to get accomplished. Here's what we know about you and your development around these key things as a whole person. We call them looking at the skills, values, and behaviors of that right. person. And then, and then having an individual game plan to drive the greatest likelihood of success for that person. And every person's different. That's why it can be complicated to coach people. Hmm. If, you, if you use a framework of skills, values, and behaviors that will drive performance of a role, and then you look at the individual person and apply it against those foundational baselines that you're looking for in that role from a skills, values, behaviors perspective, you can reverse engineer maybe where the gaps are and how you can do some custom coaching then to drive the greatest likelihood of performance for that specific individual in that role. Well, that makes, that makes some sense. I mean, it really does. So another thing that I noticed, you know, getting and looking and preparing for the interview is that uh, the company that you're with, Titus Talent Strategies, uses a phrase, right person, right seat. And I've, I've heard this before where, you know, you need the right people in the right seats on the right bus, but you right person, right seat. And you know, I work with and talk with law firm owners across the country on a regular basis. And a lot of them are getting very frustrated right now. And I mean, like this conversation with you would be so totally different two years ago. But right now, the frustration is in the finding the talent, locating the talent. And they're getting to the point where they're like warm body, empty seat, right? You know, it's just like they're making what, what are best described as desperation hires. You know, it's somebody that actually has many of the skills that they need, boom, done, hired, put them in. And they're going to, from what you're saying, they're going to pay for that later. So what can you say to help those in small businesses who are today feeling desperate to hire in the current environment? Yeah, I mean, it, it is really a big challenge. I mean, not just law firms, but across the board. And so what it comes down to is, all right, we define the seat. Now we want to go attract somebody to that seat. Well, good talent, A players are going to, what's going to actually get them interested in an organization? Well, you need to be able to outline job stretch, career growth opportunities, and the impact that they can make for themselves and for the world around them while they're working for your organization. And so a lot of companies right now, if you can't define that, you're going to struggle to attract A players. Now, the, the reality is you can still struggle to attract A players if the talent scarcity is so bad and you're defining some of that. So then what do you do after that? Well, I like to call it a multi-funnel approach to recruiting. Mm -hmm. I want to get that exact right person that has all the things as a complete package, can walk into the door, can execute that seat day one. That's awesome. And if you can provide stretch growth and impact, if you can be competitive financially, you might get somebody that comes in that bucket. What I'd like to test is if I went after 100 people, 
could I get 10 of them interested in truly interviewing for the position? Right. If I can, I can keep my recruiting strategy right in that silo. Okay. If I can't get that, then I need to look at what are some people that I can assess that are maybe just below the experience level that I'm looking for. But if I see the DNA fit, that's why we like to interview around the whole person. And I have a coaching game plan that's going to accelerate that person's growth around skills, values, and behaviors. I can get similar performance out of that person, maybe not immediately, but in the not too distant future. And certain scenarios, you have to be ready to do one or the other in your recruiting and your training plan. Yeah. And I mean, one thing that just jumped out at me when you're talking about that, as you said, a hundred, and I think a lot of small business owners, a lot of small law firm owners, since this show is mostly listened to by small law firm owners, that's a daunting number to try to get a hundred lead, a hundred candidates so I can get 10 interviews, so I can get one higher. But that that's what you consider to actually be a successful looking funnel. Yeah. The 10% response rate, it'd be awesome if we could do, you know, 50 and get five and yeah. three, three of them are high quality, but I really don't like to exceed 100 because if you get over 100, you can't get a 10% positive response rate. You do need to change your employee value proposition mm-hmm. some way, or you need to consider the second funnel. Um, the data is proving to be true for that scenario, you know, and and that really is a big way of how we, you know, you talk about kind of our firm and how we partner, and we're really a, a whole full, you know, full life cycle partner. Our team helps baseline those roles, and then we we provide recruiting consultants that actually drive the activity of those hundred uh, reach outs for the company, so they can they don't have to get busy doing that, but they can see the data, the outcomes, and the funnel play out in front of them. Yeah, that's fascinating. We're going to take a break here, here uh, from the folks that pay for this show. And when we come back, Ben, I'd like to switch the conversation a little bit to come you know, further down the line of what we were talking about earlier, from identify and attract to hire to now engage and retain. But first, we'll hear from our sponsors. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Sign up is free, and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code UNBILLABLE to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7-365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. We're continuing the conversation with Ben Murphy, uh, VP of Sales at Titus Talent Strategies. You know, when we when I asked you about why the retention rate was so poor, I was truly shocked at that number. You said it is both a failure in defining the role and in the hiring process, but it's also a failure on the other side once they're in the business. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about that. Now, first of all, like how do you how do you communicate with your team? How do you make sure that their performance once they're on um, is meeting your expectations? Or, or how do you coach others to make sure that that's going on? You know, let's start with defining the role 
you know, and we define the role by the performance objectives or outcomes that need to be accomplished by that person. And so where people fail many times is you hire somebody, but you really don't define the role. You, you define some maybe key tasks and activities, but why are you paying that person to be in your organization? And so if you can really figure out the two to five things that are the most important, now that person knows exactly what's expected of them. Then you can detail out the activities that are going to drive that performance around a strategic plan with them. But you have to have that all aligned well. So there's clarity and direction. That's the first step of great leadership, setting direction. Now, our key to it is once that's established, we want our people to be self-aware of where they're at and peer aware of their teammates of where their strengths and weaknesses are in relation to the things that will help them win in that performance. And so they know what they need to expect accomplish. Now, are there um, mastery or gaps in their skill set that need defining and refining? Are there scenarios from a behavioral hardwiring? So we do behavioral analytics that maybe lend that person to be successful in certain things or potentially um, be a limiting factor. Right. And then we always drive value alignment, right? You want a great culture. Well, really what you're defining is the people in your organization are aligned in the values that matter and how that plays into coaching and developing that person to performance, but also alignment to the culture. Yeah. So I'm hearing, I mean, I'm definitely hearing a theme here that, that the key to success on both sides, both on the recruiting side, the attracting, identifying and attracting and hiring. And then afterward is uh, you keep coming back to this clearly defining the role. And then I heard something new as well, which is clearly defining the values behind the role. So how do those two things kind of fit together? Like the the role, you know, you said clearly what's expected. Um, so that's sort of performance oriented. And then the values, do you communicate those during the entire process? We do. And so they, they're communicated up front in the hiring process, clearly, so they know what's expected. We actually have them do a core value exercise with employees so they know the importance of the values of the organization. And then when we do our coaching, we run it through, we built our own software system that our clients can use. It's called Manage for Performance. And within that software, it allows you to house the performance expectations for each person. You can track track and trend their performance. And then it allows you to actually have the coaching plan right in there on the employee's dashboard around the skills, values, and behaviors that you can give them feedback on where they're at in mastery. And a big piece of that is the value portion of giving them feedback of how they're, you're observing their, their um, interactions with others and how they're presenting themselves and how that aligns with the values. And we give them feedback quarterly on mm-hmm. how, how they're demonstrating those things and having transparent communication with them on, on performance and alignment to the organization. While, all, while always in working very closely with um, aligning with their motivations. Um, you talked a little bit about engagement earlier. Engagement, two of the biggest things you look at is how well is someone aligned to the role? If they're aligned to the role, they're aligned to the culture, they have a greater chance of being engaged in the position. And then the manager relationship, are they self-aware about how their behavioral traits act? Is the manager self-aware about their own behavioral traits? And how is that relationship playing out to make sure it's creating more of a team environment um, that's driving you know, we're trying to win together with our managers and our employees. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the old saying that people join companies and leave managers. Does that ring true in this in the way well, that you it, look at the retention? It definitely does. You, you're leaving managers, either you're managing poorly, so they feel like they're not set up for success, or there's a relationship element that's not winning. And so we try to, in our system, is to to really have clarity on giving someone everything they need to have success from a coaching plan, but also reinforcing the self and peer awareness amongst the manager and the employee to drive the greatest relationship opportunity, even though they can be very different if they understand each other and the manager tries to coach that person to their own, to the person's behavioral needs, not just the way the manager would want to be coached. Now you have an opportunity to win on both sides of the manager scenario where it normally fails. Again, are you what tools are you using to help the managers understand how the person would like to be coached rather than the way the manager would like to be coached or would like to coach? Yeah, so we we have our our own system, M4P system that we built for it, but we also are experts in behavioral analytics using predictive index. So okay. organizations can work with us to help assess their people and give them that uh, roadmap on the individual coaching from a behavioral standpoint. That makes sense. So in, 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 with this quarterly reviews and the observations that you're, that you're mentioning and the way they work with others, et cetera, how has this the expansion of remote working affected companies, small businesses' ability to do those things, to actually observe their employees and give them that feedback? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to start with why I think this, this concept is so important, especially in a remote workforce, is you're not going to be able to see every little thing they're doing. And so you get nervous and you don't want people to work remote. And that's where things are going. And so what you really need to, it, it kind of over highlights the fact that you need to start defining performance and managing people to outcomes, empowering them to win while then giving them the coaching plan of what really matters. Now, you do need to set aside time to observe. You do need to be able to give them feedback, you know, in the moment or at least quarterly, where you can be giving them growth opportunities through their skills, values, and behaviors or other things you define as important. But setting outcome goals and managing the performance, I think, is so key to the future for companies that are going to be in a remote workforce. It's great to go remote for so many people. And that's why so many people are leaving companies that won't provide remote right now. Right. But you don't want your business profitability and your business production to go down in that environment. If you do, if you don't, then clear visibility on performance and a clear coaching plan is a necessity. That makes total sense. One of the things you mentioned a couple of times in discussing that was culture fit, culture fit. And I know you've you've used the phrase also people first culture. First of all, just like what is culture? I mean, I think people know what culture is. Like there's French culture, there's there's a bacterial culture, there's um, <laughs> there's lots of different words for culture. But when you're talking about it in the context of a business, like one thing I always say is every business has a culture. It's just most businesses, their culture is not intentional. But what do you do, and how do you encourage small business owners to be proactive? And what do you mean by a people first culture? Yeah, so there's a couple of key things. I do think the art of the future business is those that can balance a performance-based culture with a people first culture. And so what does people first really mean? For us, we start with values. We wanna have an intentional culture. We want to make sure that people understand what the, the key value 
elements that are important to our culture. And so we can give them feedback and hire against those values to make it very, very intentional. Because it becomes obvious that when someone's not a culture fit, right, because they're not a value fit, they're not a part of the team, right? You, we call that a lone wolf. They could be a high performer, but a low in alignment to the values, right? Well, they're not going to be a part of the organization if they don't make modifications. So we want to define that, make it intentional, hiring, coaching, everything. Now, from a people first standpoint, there's a couple of things that we prioritize. One, it's the lens at which our leadership team looks at it. We say we make decisions based on people, then partners, then profits. And so as we analyze bigger decisions, how is it getting filtered is really important from your leadership. And people first can be from expectation setting to is it this negatively or positively impacting our people and, and what's going to go to their quality of life, et cetera. Those are all things that are important, but we truly believe that if you take care of your people and they know that we got their back, they will mm -hmm. take care of your partners. And what do you mean by partners in that context? The organizations that we serve. Okay. Okay. Got our it. Clients. So, yeah. 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 That makes total and so sense. So we're, we're, we're preaching that on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis that we're people first. And that does, that does mean that people, partners, then profits, and then when you look at what are some other key intangibles of a people first culture that we try to emphasize in our coaching, we're looking at, hey, managers and employees win together, right? We're going to define performance. You're in a performance-based culture, but we're going to give you the clarity and expectations. We believe that's people first. So you're not wishy-washy or don't understand things. We're going to give you a coaching plan to help you be successful. That's our goal. We're going to make sure that you have the tools and you're self-aware and, and you're aware of your teammates to have the greatest engagement with the people around you. We're going to give you the right amount of attention. The rhythms of attention are really important to people. Some people need more attention. Some people yeah. need less. We believe that avoiding difficult conversations is not people first. Right. But you come in with the mindset, we're a people first culture. My job is to serve you. If you're having some issues, I need to have that difficult conversation with you it's, I'm not going to avoid those things. That's not serving you. And so these are all kind of key paradigms that we try to preach from our CEO down to our managers through our people and having that type of organized view of what we should look like. I would add to this though, it's really important. It is a privilege to be a part of the team, right? And so you have to perform to be a part of the team. I think that's great. And so that, that's always, for, that's first and foremost. You know, 98% of CEOs, the stat I'd seen, don't look at engagement data. They look at, they, they want to look at performance and financials. So right. we always start with performance, but then we reverse engineer coaching engagement off of that, all in the focus of helping drive the best performance and the best overall culture. That makes perfect sense. I'm talking with Ben Murphy. He's the vice president of sales at Titus Talent Strategies. Ben, when we come back, um, I want to change the conversation just one more time because you've mentioned kind of interchangeably, but I don't think it's interchangeable in your mind, coaching and managing. And so when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about that. But first, we'll hear a word from our sponsors. No one cites routine drafting as the reason they chose to become a lawyer, but that's where a lot of time goes for solo practitioners and small firms. LawYaw can help you transform your existing Word documents into reusable templates with no coding required. 
save time and avoid errors with intuitive features like conditional logic. Use a tool that empowers your experience and expertise. Learn more at lawyaw.com, and that's L-A-W-Y-A-W.com. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things for your firm. Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. Speaking with Ben Murphy, uh, VP of Sales at Titus Talent Strategies, and you've talked about you know good management skills and, and managing people to performance, et cetera. But you've also talked about coaching, and I know that's your background. Like, How do you, in the management relationship, how do you distinguish between coaching and managing? And how should people be thinking about coaching rather than managing as they try to retain their top talent? You know, it's a good question, Chris. For me, it, it's a little bit interchangeable. But the way I view it is I have a job as a leader to set direction and then work with you to help you be successful because this, this direction and these performance goals should cascade up and down that all makes sense for your business. And so I'm managing that person to be successful, but I'm really, I'm coaching them. I'm working with them to be successful. And so one of the things that I always went back to my um, college coaching days is each one of our position groups as a defensive coordinator, so our linebackers, our safeties, our corners, our defensive ends, our defensive tackles, they all had different things they needed to accomplish for the team. And they all had what I tried to do is top five everyday drills that they would focus on that would give them the greatest likelihood for core fundamentals that would lead to performance. And so my coaching with the business world is we're defining and managing towards this performance we actually work with our clients. We define those everyday drills, those coaching things that they want to focus on and skills and behaviors and really make them the keys around coaching to try to simplify that for the manager and for the employee. And one of the things, you know, I manage a team. One of the things that when I first came to the business world, I was kind of like, well, what's the everyday drills? What are the keys that you really focus on with these people? Right. It wasn't laid out. And so we've been on a mission to simplify that and lay out those fundamentals for people using our expertise so the manager can look at this position, look at the person in this position, and have some clarity around the fundamentals they should be emphasizing with that person. And most managers have a hard time creating that on their own. They need some guidance to get it built out. Once they get it built out, you know, they're in these roles and they know these things, but it gives them a plan to coach. Uh, while driving driving performance. Yeah, and I mean, like, I hate to, I don't want to, um, A, I don't want to abuse the uh, metaphor. Two, I also don't want to extend beyond my knowledge of it. But as a defensive coordinator, um, as a coach on the football team, being a defensive coordinator, you had position coaches working with you as well, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, is there an equivalent? Like, because, so you didn't rely on just your own knowledge of each position exclusively. You had position coaches that knew that a cornerback needed different drills than a tackle. How how can one replicate the same structure in a business to have the equivalent of, of position coaches? It, it really is, is the D coordinator, right? I'm 
it goes the exact same way to the business. I'm defining what performance should look like for each position player. Right. And I'm working with the position coach, but they can edit, but defining those key fundamentals that will drive the performance we set for that role. And so they're, we're working collaboratively, but we have a system. Our system is we define the expectation and we define the fundamentals and we go practice and try to win on the scoreboard together using that system. And where most businesses, they don't even have that system. They don't right. have performance outlined. They don't have the fundamentals of their coaching plan outlined, or it's in a SharePoint document all over the place and no one follows it. And so getting that simple system in place and then using, you know, editing it a little bit to match the manager, right? Or that position coach still using the system. That's key. Then the second step of that process is, all right, not every NFL cornerback defensive back is, has this exact same strength skill set that is in the hall of fame. They've gotten there for different reasons using their strengths. And so now you apply those fundamentals against the individual in that role and you start reverse engineering the strengths and weaknesses and what's going to ultimately let them be the greatest performer using their tools. Okay. So yeah, you have to adapt the coaching to the player or to, in this case, in the business, to the employee to maximize their strengths. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. And you adapt it though. You adapt it a little bit here, a little bit there, yeah. still off the same structure of what you should be, because they're not going to get to exact performance the exact same way. Right. And it's all seems, I mean, every time we talk about this, like it seems to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back to defining the role and defining what the outcomes are that define success for that role. If you if you don't if you have that, you can go a long way with this. If you don't have that, all this other stuff doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't. And I've watched like coaching plans and leadership development plans that kind of go in circles and never create outcomes because they're not they're not defined back to judging it off of what they're producing against those outcomes. You know, and so I just it's a lot of wasted time and energy. <laughs> Um, if you don't start with that as the fundamental piece. That makes sense. So let me ask you, before we let you go, one of the other things I hear from a lot of law firm owners, small business owners is managing the younger generation of employees that are coming into their workplaces is super challenging for them. There seems to be a consensus that there's a gender, there's values that are changed um, in the newer generation uh, coming into the workplace. How are you seeing that effect and how is that affecting the way that you're approaching coaching and retaining talent? No, it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, if you really look at one of the things I talk about is you have baby boomers who their number one as a subset valued was security, job security. Well, if you start going down to the younger generations, you go from significance to freedom to purpose. And so if you're not even looking at the lens the same way as the person you're managing on what they value, you're going to get in trouble. And so you need to understand that everyone is wired differently. What motivates them and what they value could be different than what you want. So you need to have those conversations. We, we have those quarterly conversations with people, and there's a whole section on motivation because we need to engage them there. Now, you have to keep in mind that 53% of people right now let's say they would leave their current company for a better career path opportunity. Mm, and yeah. so engaging people around where they can take their career, knowing what your um, accountability chart looks like as an organization and how the people on your current team 
can, can develop and play into that growing accountability chart and letting them see that is really key to it. Understanding that how can you, how can, as an organization, people, the youngest of generations want purpose, right? So how are you displaying and understanding their purpose and how are you defining your business around creating meaning and purpose for those individuals? And that can be in their work, that can be allowing them to listen and participate in future strategy, fast forwarding their growth, challenging them, knowing that, hey, if you're performing your current role, you can fast forward into future roles. But also what are some of the impacts and purpose that you can do outside of your organization that your business participates in? Our CEO's amazing. You know, we have a catalyst fund, 30 million by 2030. And so how are we impacting our people and the community around us and the things that are important to their people. Um, and so some of our people, their purpose isn't always in the workplace that engages right. with us. It's how we're helping them drive their purpose outside of the workplace that really um, locks them in with our, with our future as well. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. You have mis- like mission and purpose driven, whether it's internal or external or preferably both. That is, that's really sensical. Ben, um, we are out of time with this. I'd love to keep going because there's there's so much more to, to this that I want to really hit on. But that's the end of uh, this edition of the Unbillable Hour. So I thank our listeners for listening. Our guest today has been Ben Murphy. He's the Vice President of Sales at Titus Talent Strategies. Ben, since I want to know more, I bet a lot of our listeners do too. If they want to know more from you, how can they contact you? Yeah, shoot me an email at ben.murphy at titustalent.com. Love to have strategy session calls um, if it's on the hiring or on the the coaching and performance management piece. I'm passionate about it. Hit me up on LinkedIn as well. But yeah, look forward to any conversations people want to have. And and Christopher, thanks for having me on. It's absolutely a pleasure. Great talking to you. This is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you, my listeners, next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.